Dr. Judy Jasek was raised outside of Chicago, Illinois. She earned a degree in zoology from Colorado State University in 1984 and her DVM from Colorado State University in 1988. After graduation, she went into mixed animal practice in Idaho. She then transitioned to small animal practice in Salt Lake City, Utah, and then moved to Denver, Colorado in 2001. She purchased an allopathic practice near Denver in 2003, added holistic therapies to the practice, and sold the practice in 2015. After selling a practice, she opened a home-based holistic practice. She recently limited her practice to telemedicine, and she and her husband have relocated to Tennessee. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Judy Jasek as we discuss her education, early practice life, adding holistic modalities to her treatments, and her recent conversion to a telemedicine-only practice. Dr. Jasek, thanks for taking the time to talk today. You're welcome, Neil. It's great to be here. So where did you grow up? I grew up in, uh, in Illinois, in the Chicago area, in a suburb uh, called Wheaton, outside of Chicago. Did you have a lot of pets growing up? I had, um, yeah, we had dogs mostly. We had some outdoor cats. We actually grew up on a little bit of acreage. So we also had some horses, so sort of like a hobby farm. So yeah, we had the, the typical household critters. Did you think you want to be a veterinarian pretty early in life or when did that come to you? You know, it was actually a little later in life. I, I always loved animals and I loved uh, the outdoors. I think it took me a while to really get my interest in medicine. And, um, you know, me my interest in medicine came from just really learning how things, things worked and how the body works and all the different organ systems. And when I got fascinated with that, it was actually in college. I actually started college as a forestry major and um, ch it changed gears. I was at Colorado State and um, they had an excellent vet school. And I kind of lost interest in the forestry industry and decided, well, I got a great vet school here. Maybe I'll pursue that. And then once I made that shift, um, yeah, there was, there was no looking back at that point. I was like, yeah, that's what I'm meant to do. So was the idea of uh, forestry what took you to Colorado and originally? Yep. Yep. Sure was because that, and, and I just really liked the West. I, I had had some family move out there and, and, um, just kind of fell in love with the West and the mountains and, you know, really liked the, the culture out there. And so even though I, yeah, went there originally for forestry, um, it was, you know, very, very convenient that they had an excellent vet school there as well. Yeah. So, um, that was your only choice as far as schools went? I, I was, um, I think I was looking at Purdue cause I'm, you know, from the Midwest, I was looking at Purdue, but I just, I don't know, was wanting to get out a little further away from the city and the, you know, um, more concentrated populations. And, um, I, I was really just intrigued by the West, I think. Yeah. Did you enjoy vet school? I did. I did. It was, um, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was a lot of fun learning. I really like I said, loved like just the idea of learning how things work, how the body works. Um, that was just really fascinating. Did you have any idea what sort of medicine you want to practice when you got out? Actually, the strong interest in equine medicine all through all through vet school, and I in fact started my career in Pocatello, Idaho, in a mixed animal practice. So uh, we did quite a bit of equine work, and I. I did enjoy that. 
Um, eventually, I moved um, a little more into um, small animal small animal medicine. Just you know, a couple of changing locations, and um, you know, it's just logistically a little bit simpler. What took you to Idaho in the first place? Just the job. I wanted to stay in the West, and I wanted to do a mixed animal practice. I really wanted to be in a rural practice, and um, there was a job there. And, you know, I was young. I'd never been there, never been to Idaho. And um, just it was the type of practice I was looking for, so I went for it. How many doctors were there? It was, uh, let's see, I was one of three. So you had a lot of on-call. We did. We did all around. It's a tremendous learning experience. You know, looking back, you know, now these days, there's a lot of, um, you know, specialty clinics when you're in a bigger um, city area, most areas, there's specialty clinics. So it's, you refer out for so many things and there we didn't have that. So we did a lot of stuff. I mean, I learned to do orthopedic surgery. We did uh, equine surgery, bovine surgery, uh, we kind of did it all, and I didn't realize, I don't think, how, how unique that was until after if years down the road, I moved away from there, got into a bigger city, and everybody's just, something's going wrong. You just, you know, you refer to the specialists, and you don't take your own emergencies, but, oh, yeah, we were, there were three of us, so we were able to split the uh, split the on-call, but, yeah, we, we did all of our emergency work. So you had, did you have haul-in surgery then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. We had an on-site, um, you know, large animal surgery and small animal surgery. Wow. So colics and everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, jeez. Yeah. It was quite the adventure. I learned, I learned a lot. It was great because, you know, you learn all this stuff in school, but, you know, it kind of really sinks in when you're out in the real world using it. So I felt like I got to really use a lot of my uh, education. I'm sure you got a pretty good equine education at CSU, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So what took you away from that practice? Um, well, there was a couple of things. I ended up not getting along really well with the practice owner. And, and then I ended up meeting my first husband and he was in Utah. So I ended up moving there and, and, uh, moved, moved down there and, and, um, actually ended up purchasing my first practice when I, once I moved to Utah. How, uh, what size practice was it? Very small practice. It was in a little town called Brigham City, Utah, which is about 60 miles north of uh, Salt Lake. And they, um, it was just, it was actually, a, I think, a veterinarian that was retiring. And so that was just me, just solo, solo practice. I was just, you know, I think like a lot of us veterinarians, you, you get to where you, you want to do things your own way. And, you know, you think, you know, you got all your own ideas about doing things. So that was my first experience as an entrepreneur. How many years did you own the practice then? Bad practice, I just owned for, I would say probably about four or five years. And then um, ended up getting divorced and then um, got a job kind of managing another practice there. And then um, eventually ended up moving back to Colorado, which I still had uh, a family out here. My uh, my parents had moved out to Colorado and I had other family out here and decided to relocate back here or back to Colorado. Um, what kind of practice did you go to next then? 
So I, uh, see, I originally started in Colorado as in a cat clinic. Um, that was just a cat exclusive. That didn't, I wasn't very happy in that practice. So that only lasted a couple of months. And then, um, I think I took one other job and then I ended up buying another practice, which was, um, it's kind of where I really made my move into more, uh, alternative medicine. Um, that was a, it was a full, you know, um, integrative practice. I mean, we did surgery and dentistry and pet all of that, but then I, it was kind of around that time where I was really getting interested in the more holistic approach and really started branching off into that during, uh, during the time that I owned that practice. Anything particular get you interested in, in adding that to your work? Yes. It was actually a, a personal experience with um, a horse that I had owned at the time and she had had a head injury and I didn't really know exactly what happened, but she got very sensitive around her head and, and I had, you know, I had actually had her since she was a yearling. I'd had her for quite a while. And she was, um, I mean, I knew the horse really, really well. And then all of a sudden, like, I couldn't get near her, couldn't touch her head. She was like, was just acting very strange. And I worked with a trainer who told me, he said, I think, you know, your horse has um, pain. His, his head, you know, her head hurts. So there's like an injury. And he referred me to a chiropractor. And um, this uh, chiropractor was an energetic uh, chiropractor. She did a lot of cranial sacral work through energetic means and energy releases from the body. And I was sort of, I was a little bit doubtful, but I was desperate because I didn't know what was going on with my horse. And she just transformed my horse. I mean, just, it took some time for everything to get, get resolved. But um, through her work with my horse, my, my horse came completely back to normal. And, and she kept telling me, she kept saying, you need to get into more holistic animal care. There's a real need for more holistic animal care. And kind of didn't know what that was all about um, at the time. But I also, I think at the same point in my career, I was starting to see that, you know, what we're doing as far as just prescribing medications and doing vaccines may not be the best that we can do for our pets and that there's, and that there's uh, more that we can be doing. So it kind of piqued my, piqued my interest and started my educational process into more holistic modalities. What did you start to look to, into first? What did you add to the practice? I think the first, first thing was, was homeopathy. I, I listened to, I'm going to date myself a bit, but I listened to cassette tapes um, from Dr. Pitcairn. I bought some of his courses <laughs> driving back and forth to work and listened to the tapes and listened to them several times and started kind of understanding those principles. And then I started taking some courses and in herbal medicine. You know, these days it's a lot easier to find more education. I need to do CIBT. There's just so many, so many classes and webinars and things that are available. Um, back then it was a little bit harder to get uh, more education, but you know, I started buying books and reading and learning and learn more about nutrition. And I think because I was open to a more holistic approach to pet health, um, I attracted those clients. So I'd have clients come in that were feeding raw and I'd, I'd ask them, I'd, you know, how, how do you do this? How are you feeding raw? You know, cause I was just learning about that too. And so, you know, I learned, um, 
from my clients and started introducing more uh, natural modalities. And, and then I started to see the results and like, wow. And I started, you know, not vaccinating as much and well, let's find herbal remedies and try some homeopathy. I, I did a lot of um, homotoxicology um, back then too. And I was just seeing wonderful results. And the, and then there was just like, you know, going back, like, wow, this is, this is really healing. You know, it's just a difference between seeing what really helping the body heal is and what that looks like, as opposed to just getting, you know, pharmaceuticals to suppress symptoms. Yeah. So were you a solo doctor at that point? Yes, I was. And I, in that clinic, I had hired, I had an associate on and off and just for the difficulty of finding the right person to work in your practice. You know, I'd get somebody in, I'd leave, and then I'd have to work by myself for a while until I'd find somebody again. So um, there was usually myself and one other uh, associate. And were they doing any of the uh, holistic care or was it just you? Yeah, no, it was, it was a, that was a foundational principle of the practice. Um, so that was made it hard to keep somebody on staff was because I wanted somebody that would, would practice at least with similar um, broad concepts as I was, because, you know, you don't want, you know, clients coming in and one day getting a conventional approach and one day getting a more natural approach. So yeah, I would, but it made it very hard to, um, you know, find people that wanted to work with under that philosophy. Yeah. So did you, um, did you get people that had some training or did you train them yourself or how did that work? Usually some of both. Um, a lot of times it was, I'd get people that had an interest and were open to it and maybe just didn't have a lot of experience because, you know, for vets that aren't interested in holistic medicine, there's not a lot of jobs out there either. And so I was always happy to train and to mentor. And uh, I, I also, you know, of course, liked to get veterinarians that, you know, could do basic surgery and dentistry because we did all of that too. So it was kind of, it was a, a, a very much an um, integrative approach. Kind of a tall order to fill to get uh, someone who could handle the, the allopathic stuff, but still have an interest in the holistic. Yeah. And the yeah. things too. How did you, I mean, any tips on how did, how did you find people? You know, word of mouth, advertising, um, but I got to tell you, it was one of my biggest stressors. And I eventually sold that practice because I just got so burned out because it was just a lot of work. And I, I owned the building, you know, I, I you know, it, and it just seemed like between staffing issues and, um, you know, maintaining the building and it, there was just so much work in just managing it. And that, that's what really burned me out was the management. It wasn't the work. And um, once I moved away from, I did finally sell it. Um, it took me three years to sell it because I had been practicing holistic medicine. <laughs> Nobody wanted, it was hard to find a buyer that wanted to buy it. So that was pretty discouraging, but I just really needed to make, make a shift. I was just way too burned out at that point. And uh, so I had a three year non-compete after I sold that practice and really reevaluated um, what what I was doing, what I wanted to do, um, you know, just took a break, focused on my own health for a while and got back in. I ended up then moving into just doing a very small 
very specialized um, home practice. And um, that actually worked really well for operating out of a small space uh, in my home, literally in the front front room of our house. We started this practice that ended up being um, quite successful, but, you know, we didn't, I didn't do anything that required sedation or anesthesia. I had over time moved into doing some specialized therapies and working with a lot of cancer patients. So I did ozone therapy. Um, we, we did mistletoe injection, a lot of uh, Chinese herbal medicine. So I, I really got specialized and that was so much more enjoyable. If I had any advice for other veterinarians out there is, you know, find a way to focus on what you really enjoy doing and not do all the other stuff just because you think you have to or to pay the bills because I got in that situation. And it's, it's miserable, really feels like a trap when you're in, you're just not doing work that really resonates with you, but you're kind of dug in financially. And, and with the, uh, with the home practice, I had no debt. I had very little overhead. I was doing exactly the type of medicine, the type of cases that I wanted to do. And that, I mean, I, so I've been practicing already at this point for 30 years and you're doing this a long time. And that really just breathes some new life in, into my career. I felt, you know, like I could practice, but not be so tied down and, and, and have more freedom. So that was um, a real awesome shift. When you sold the practice, did it did it stay an integrated practice? You know, they still advertise it as such, but um, the clients I have talked to that I used to see there that have gone in there say that you know he's the the vet that bought it was I think he was open to doing things holistically. He didn't really have that foundation though, so it's not like he's like it's okay if somebody comes in and says they're feeding raw food, like he wouldn't like, you know, berate them for that or anything, but he didn't like know enough to like really talk to people about it or encourage them to do that. Gotcha. So did you sit out the three-year non-compete then? I did some, I still kept doing my ozone therapy. So I'd started doing ozone therapy at the clinic and that's how it kind of got me into working with more cancer patients because it's very effective therapy for that. And, um, but that got written out of my non-compete because the purchasing that wasn't going to continue doing it. So my attorney said, how will write that out? And then, so I just kind of had a very low key practice. Just, I just continued to do some ozone treatment. So that was, um, that was all I did. And then I started the, after that, I uh, just had so many people asking if I was going to practice again and um, decided to just move into doing the, uh, the home practice. So when you took the ozone with you, so to speak, when you left, um, did you set up at home right away with that? Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, not initially. I wasn't doing it at home. I actually partnered with a couple of um, like a small natural pet food stores in my area where I lived and and they, you know, had some space and I already knew the owners and just said, hey, could I come in a couple times a week and do ozone treatments? Because I knew I could get referrals from them as well. And so it was kind of a fun association. And so I, I did that and then, you know, had, had looked about, looked at getting into another, you know, like commercial space. And I, I just knew that was going to be, you know, way too stressful and way more expensive. And 
you know, just decided to try the, um, try the home practice route instead. It sounds like it was really freeing, you know, to go from staff and practice and mortgage and all that sort of thing. And, and then transition. So, uh, were you, how were you administering your ozone when you're going to these, uh, what route were you using when you're going to these, uh, pet foods stores? I was doing it, um, IV. Um, I did mostly, mostly IV and rectal. I mean, those are kind of the two ones and then some local injections too. Like I would sometimes inject it under, under external tumors, tumors, you know, we could get on, actually get underneath it, like underneath the skin, we can inject ozone directly underneath there. Um, did some like limb bagging, bagging, um, chronic sores and things like that. Uh, ozone can be really effective for that. How often were you seeing those patients? In general, yeah, well, usually one or, once or twice a week. You know, um, not everybody could make it in that frequently, but that would be what I'd recommend. So I had a lot of regular, regular clients coming in for that. I guess that was a nice way for you to sort of select your future uh, future patient um, demographic. Yeah, it it was it was it, it was you know I found it challenging in an integrative medicine practice to really like fully move into holistic medicine, meaning like that was my foundational philosophy for practicing, you know, instead of just reaching for the bottle of antibiotics or pain meds or whatever, how can we help the body heal? What's the foundational cause and what's at the root of what's going on and recognizing that the body has a natural ability to heal and how can we support that? That was my philosophy, but then I had this big practice to support. So I had to do like other stuff to pay the bills and I couldn't get enough people coming in just wanting the holistic consults that would take longer, right? Spend an hour with a client. And, but I still had people coming in that wanted just the, the quickie checkup and get their, you know, rabies shot updated or their pet needed a dental or whatever. So I was kind of doing both. But then after, you know, I got rid of that, I was able to just say, no, I'm just doing the holistic consults. This is, this is what we do. We don't just do the routine in and out care. We're about uh, helping to helping pets heal and helping them to heal naturally. So every appointment, you know, we talk about nutrition and, and we go over all sorts of things. So now all of my new client consults are an hour. Um, I'm doing actually now doing mostly telemedicine, actually more into doing that. But um, most of my um, new client consults are, we take a full hour, even if it's a wellness consult, because we're going to go through nutrition. We're going to go through all the things that I think are, are important, but now like, that's what I do. I don't have to say, do you want this or do you want that? Like, it's, it's just what I do. People don't want that. And they have to go someplace else. How did you market yourself when you started up with home practice then? You know, it just happened word of mouth. I, I was, I, I actually recently relocated um, from the Denver area. We're now living in Tennessee. So, um, but I, I had worked in the Denver area for long enough and a lot of people knew me. And so once I started seeing clients again and just word of mouth, it was kind of the word got out and it spread. I've never really, I, I've never really had to market. I mean, I do um, some like podcasts and, and things like that, but I think because 
I started working with a lot of cancer patients. I, my name got out there on some Facebook groups where people with, that's with cancer and hang out. And so my name kind of got out there. So it sort of just it really just happened on its own. Really haven't had to do any marketing. So it's been, that's been awesome too. So you started with just you working out of the front room. Did you, you grew into having some staff though? Yeah, if I'm correct. Yeah. Yeah. We have, um, I still have two um, remote admins that work behind the scene. Actually one who lives in Colorado, still one's in Arizona. And I did have two onsite people at, at one point. And, you know, it's, it's just, um, though there's so much demand for this work that I could have just let this grow as much as I wanted to, but then I just didn't want to, you know I mean? I'm just at a stage in my own life where I'm more uh, cognizant of my own quality of life and how much time I want to spend working. And because it was in the home, you know, it had kind of taken over a lot of our home and, um, you know, we just decided to scale back. But the, um, I mean, the potential for a practice like that is just, you know, immense. And and I would love to help, you know, encourage and have been as much as best I can, encourage other veterinarians to consider, you know, doing a small space practice like that for veterinarians that are interested in more, a more holistic approach. Cause I know it's really hard to find jobs and it's also really intimidating to go out on your own and do a, you know, buy a clinic. My first time around, you know, I went to big bank loans. I had all this debt and it really, you know, kind of handcuffed you to the place, but to do a small space um, practice with very low overhead, um, you know, you really can just, do what you want with it and practice exactly the way you want. And I think it, it's an opportunity for a lot of vets to practice more holistic medicine, you know, without having as, as many, you know, not without having the challenges of running a really big clinic, which is just exhausting. Kind of an albatross. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. With all that overhead. Um, so what, what led to your decision then to, uh, to stop seeing patients in person? It was really, well, a couple, couple of things. We were wanting, my husband and I were wanting to relocate. Um, out, well, definitely outside of the city. We were in a Denver suburb. We really wanted to get into a more rural area. We wanted to do that for a long time. And so we were, we'd been looking around in, in Colorado and couldn't find what we wanted there. So ended up in, in Tennessee. But in order to have the freedom to do that relocation, we had to close down practice because we wanted um, what well, we just to list the house. We needed to uh, could have the clinic in there, obviously, and um, and then it was again it was becoming a quality of life thing. I, I was starting to feel that bit of burnout again, even though I was doing more of what I wanted to do. I had two employees in the house all the time, and and you know managing staff is tough. <laughs> it's just it's the most challenging thing I think about. Owning a practice, and these are great people. Um, you know, they they work you know really hard. But you know, once you have more mouths to feed, you have to work a certain amount because you want to take time off. Well, you know, you've got their wages to pay, and you know, the more the overhead goes up, the more it ties you down. And so, I, I and I was already, you know, sometimes things just happen 
kind of, you know, organically and in the way they're meant to. And I was already doing more and more telemedicine. I was talking to people in different parts of the country and um, consulting with a lot of cancer patients. And I thought, well, what if I just do that? And then we, that gives us the freedom to relocate, which is what we wanted to do. And so that's what, that's what we did. So we closed it, closed down the outside clinic. I continued to do um, telemedicine, which allowed us to relocate because I could continue doing that. And, you know, now that we're out here, um, you know, I don't know, we've only, we just did three weeks ago, so we're still getting settled in. So whether or not I'll do another on-site home clinic, I don't know. I, like I said, I would really love to um, help encourage other veterinarians to practice more holistically because there's such a need for it. I mean, I talk to people all the time, all over the country that I mean, there's no holistic vets. There's nobody for me to see that will support me and that will even let me in the door without updating a rabies shot. You know, I hear that sort of thing all the time. And, you know, yeah, I could see more clients in person, but I, I can still do just so much. And so I'd really like to, um, help encourage other veterinarians to get out and that or realize that there's other ways to practice holistic medicine. You don't just have to go find a job and you don't have to run a big clinic. You know, you can do a small space option or a mobile option or things like that. So I, I really like to, in my, you know, as I wind down my career here, <laughs> really help get, um, more vets out in the world doing this kind of work because it's just so it's so necessary for the health of our pets. Agreed. Yeah. Hey, could you? Uh, we talked a little bit about that, but can you? Uh, you've got a couple of remote admins. Can you just talk about the nuts and bolts of what you're doing now? Yeah. So right now I'm doing telemedicine. Um, you know, though I did have it's really odd just how <laughs> work sometimes. But one of my clients that I saw for years in Colorado moved to Mississippi like two months ago. And then she found out I moved to Tennessee. So she drove six hours. I saw her this last weekend. She drove six hours up to where I am. And I, you know, treated her pets for ozone here. So, um, you know, those sorts of things, you know, happen, but, um, but for the most part, I'm, I'm doing, um, telemedicine. So I do consults, you know, I'm a, um, it's a, it's, and a supplementary care, right? Everybody I work with has to have a hands-on vet. They have to have somebody looking at the vet or looking at the pet that, you know, they can do blood work, they can do x-rays, they can do whatever diagnostics might be necessary. And then I fill in the gap of, okay, now how do we feed this pet appropriately? And can we use herbs to help the pet? And um, I, I do recommend ozone therapy. I help people People could buy their own ozone generators. So I actually consult with people on doing ozone at home for their own pets. Um, we do mistletoe injections. We send people the supplies for mistletoe injections. Uh, again, that's primarily for cancer patients. And, and um, you know, just help, help add in that holistic piece where people can't find it um, in their locality where they live. Very good. Well, before we wrap up, any uh, besides the uh, kind of logistical advice you gave us, um, any other practical advice for people just starting out, given your experience? Boy, practice in a way that you believe in. Like, don't compromise that. You know, find find a way. You know, 
Um, I know there's logistics in life and sometimes you've got to pay the bills, but, um, you know, follow your heart and find a way to, to practice in a way that feels really authentic. Um, I, I don't think you'll ever regret that. That's pretty good advice. Well, Judy, thanks so much. It's been uh, great hearing your story and getting to know uh, how your practice uh, life has progressed over time and certainly wish you the best of luck in this next chapter. All right. Well, thank you, Neil. I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity to be on. I've, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts, so I was really excited when you reached out and I got a chance to be on as well. Well, thanks again, Judy. I hope to meet in person sometime. Okay. Sounds great. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.